it's only a fairly recent phenomena that um, you know I really haven't given a damn about how I present myself to my pals. There's always the image that I've upheld as a younger man about being very, very strong, the tough guy. I kind of had an epiphany that actually I was fed up of playing that role and I just wanted to have really good chats with people. And frankly, it was liberating not to have the sort of the, you know, have the ego and the depth and breadth of the conversations that I had. It took our friendship to a completely different level. Getting to that place where actually you don't, you don't, you don't have to feel that you have to keep up the front anymore and just be real with them is. You're a man living in the modern world in a time when men and manhood are not what they once were. You live life on your own terms. You're self-sufficient. You think for yourself and you march to the beat of your own drum. When life knocks you down, you get back up because in your gut, you know that's what men do. You're a badass and a warrior. And on the days when you forget, we are here to remind you who you really are. Welcome to another episode of the Sovereign Man Podcast, where we aim to make men masculine again. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou, and we have a very special guest lined up for you today. This is a gentleman who's a dear friend of mine, a former client, very successful man. Uh, He also happens to be one of the uh, manliest, most masculine men I know, very comfortable in his own skin as a man, and um, he's not afraid to say what he thinks which is a hallmark of this show. His name's Matt Comey. Welcome to the show, Matt. Oh, bless you, Nikki. Nice to be with you. Good to be with you as well. So, Matt, you and I, we talk a lot and about a lot of different things, and it's one of the things I enjoy about our relationship. But I wanted to have you on the show today because I know you've got some very definitive views uh, about men, about masculinity, and also about the importance of men having men that they can trust and they can talk to. And I'd like to kind of get into that. So before we do that, just give the folks here, listen to the show, a quick background on yourself, and then let's get into what we're going to talk about. Okay. Well, I, I guess I, I, I picked the wrong day for wearing a pink shirt and, <laughs> and, and wearing bangles, didn't I? Nice. Uh, so <laughs> um as, as, as Nikki said, we've, we've known each other for, for several years now and, uh, and, and we talk, which is always good. It's good to know who you can talk to when, about many, many things and uh, beyond the sort of surface level cheese sandwich conversation that many men spend their lives uh, in. Um, for my background, I've been in, in sales and executive leadership uh, for most of my career. Um, I started life as an inside salesperson, knocking out hundreds of phone calls uh, on a daily basis, moved into sales leadership. I headed up sales for a Microsoft company. I was a go-to-market strategy consultant for Jeffrey Moore's Chasm Group. I was the youngest GM at Nokia, the mobile phone company back in the day when they were successful. Uh, and I've uh, managed uh, Franklin Covey's sales performance practice. Uh, uh, amongst other things, doing large-scale sales transformation for uh, multinational uh, companies. Uh, I went out on my own in 2015 um, uh, when I basically had enough of of corporate life as it wasn't giving me the level of uh, success and happiness that I I wanted uh, anymore. And since then, I have been uh, running a sales acceleration consulting uh, firm amongst other things. And one of the things I'm sure we're going to talk about is um, playing to your strengths, 
uh, and uh, I'm a big, um, I'm, I love to do fun things. So uh, I involve myself in lots of different projects with the view that they free up my time and allow me to provide for my family uh, and friends in, in the way that I, that I want to. So I, I hope that was helpful. Thank you. Yeah, man. Very good. Very good. So, Matt, we're living in a time uh, where, quite frankly, in many ways, men and masculinity are, are under assault. We've got elements of society that are using phrases like toxic masculinity. And you can just imagine if someone said something like that about women and femininity, what kind of outcry we'd have. And um, a lot of young men, a lot of boys uh, are being told that just by virtue of being a man or being a boy, there's something wrong with them, which I think I got massive issues with that as well. And one of the things that I think is missing in today's society is a band of brothers, a group of folks that you can really sit down and talk to and not those surface level cheese sandwiches, you call it. Never heard that phrase before. That's pretty cool. Actually, I, get, I have to give my wife credit for that one. She uses the cheese sandwich conversation. Cheese sandwich. Right? Yeah. Cheese sandwich. It's just, it's just, it's very, it's very bland and, and not very meaningful. You know? Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, those types of conversations um, that are real, that are impactful, you know, are not being had by most men. Mm. I was reading um, a study, and it's going to shock you, but the average man uh, supposedly has one friend. And then I had Steve, Stephen Mansfield on my show last week. Stephen Mansfield's a New York Times bestselling author, wrote The Faith of Barack Obama, The Faith of George W. Bush, wrote a book about Churchill and leadership. He sold millions and millions of books, and now he's writing about men's issues. And he said that he actually was shocked it was that many. <laughs> like, you think about that. Most men have an average of one friend, and he's saying he, he thinks that most men don't even have that one friend that they can yeah, talk that's to. Rough. That's rough. Yeah. And I, I, I want to just say that for us, why we have Sovereign Man is because, well, we want people to have a band of brothers. We want a place where they can have those types of conversations. But I want to know your thoughts on this. And maybe speak a little bit about your experience with how you use your band of brothers to help you deal with big issues you're dealing with. Yeah, absolutely. So appreciate the uh, the conversation. I mean, just to to, to pick up on, on on how you introduced the, the conversation around toxic masculinity and um, you know men only having sort of uh, one friend. Uh, there's a lot of polarization going on on the planet right now. Um, and, you know, for me, the, the, the question is, you know, <laughs> who, who, what or who is driving the agenda to increasingly, you know, in, increase the, the polarization gap? You see it everywhere, yep. you know, nation states, religion versus religion, the gender roles, you know, men versus women. Um, and um, well, what was the definition of advertising? You, you, you can't sell stuff to people when they're happy. So you've got to create some level of discord, uh, uh, you know, between uh, people or about themselves to, uh, to 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 keep the wheels turning in our current socioeconomic uh, uh, system. You know, I find it disheartening that you say that the research shows that uh, you know men really have uh, you know, only one friend that they 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 can talk to. I, I count myself fortunate that I have I have um, uh, more men than that that I can I can chat to and. I want to share that it's only a fairly recent phenomena that, um, you know, I really haven't given a damn about 
how I present myself to my pals. There's always the sort of uh, the image that, um, you know, I've upheld as a younger man about being very, very strong and, the, you know, the, the, the big Mac Conway, the tough guy. Um, and it was only till I'm 50 years old. It was only until, I guess it was just, just before COVID that I, I kind of had an epiphany that actually I was fed up of playing that, that, that role. And I just wanted to have really good chats with people. And, you know, I remember in the space of one week, um, uh, I'd had a couple of projects go go sideways and I've been working extremely hard and it was a, a little trigger. I was in, in the car, a, a piece of music came on and I just, I, I began weeping and, um, and I just went, where the heck is this coming from? I, I, I didn't feel uh, lonely or felt overburdened. You know, it was a little sideways thing, but you know, here's one thing. I always fall on my feet. I, I whatever happens, I will get back up, dust myself up and, 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 uh, and, and, and get back on the horse, so to speak. But then I, I, I shared this experience. I sort of jokingly said to one of uh, to my friend, John, a friend called Ken, um, and, and, uh, and another chap called Romeo. And I said, I, and this was separate times in the course of it. I said, I don't know, this week I've just, you know, I found myself sort of just, you know, crying in my car, uh, you know, the, the, you know, a couple of times this, this week. And they both, really? You too? And, you know, I heard this from three different guys in the space of a week. And it, it frankly, it was liberating not to have the sort of the, you know, have the ego, you know, tough guy or whatever, just to be able to say, actually, yeah, I just, I don't know what caused it, but something happened. And the depth and breadth of the conversations that I had with these three guys was wonderful. And guess what? It took our friendship to a completely different level. Now, I'm lucky enough that these are chaps that I can, you know, head out into the woods out and, you know, I pretend, as you can see from the picture behind, I pretend to be a, a, a hunter, although wildlife in Canada aren't in much danger from me, I have to say. I've got two very disappointed hunting dogs. Um, but, you know, these are people I can go, go out hunting and fishing with. I can go to the pub and have a beer with them. And just getting to that place where actually you don't, you don't, you don't have to feel that you have to keep up the front anymore and just be real with them, it's, it's liberating. And... I just think our friendships got even, they were good to start with and they got even even better as a result. Anyway, your turn. Well, you know, when you told me about, you know, men crying in cars, right? Sounded like a Jerry Seinfeld skit. <laughs> you know, like it was, but I gotta tell you, I've, I've cried in my car. Um, I bet and, you there's a few lads watching this and yeah, crying in their car, haven't I, you, boys? Yeah. A certain song comes on. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and it, it evokes at a certain time. And that those emotions get mixed in with some of the emotions I'm feeling in the moment. Boom. I start to cry. Uh, you know, absolutely. And I've got to say, you know, for me, it's uh, it seems to be chong, uh, chong, songs from my childhood. I mean, you know, so, you know, probably sub seven years of age, you know, uh, you know, whether it was, you know, riding on my, my father's back, you know, when he was playing horsey or, 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 you know, songs that we used to listen to in on family trips and stuff like that. But my goodness thing. <laughs> yeah. 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 And you know what? Actually now I quite enjoy listening to them and weeping. It's, it's, it's sort of cleansing in its own yeah, way. It's cleansing for sure. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, there's um, there's an old Dire Straits song called Romeo and Juliet. That's why when you said you have a friend named Romeo, I just laughed. <laughs> that song makes me cry because it yeah. takes me back to a time in my life. Um, I was 20, 21 years old and uh, newly, newly in love for the first time. And um, that, that woman that I was with, she, um, yeah, I thought she was the one. I mean, she was 19, I was 20. I mean, <laughs> you know, and um, she lived in another country and she went back home and I thought, hey, let's end it. And I told her that she got upset with me. She actually slapped me. She said, how dare you? I mean, I love you, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, sure enough, within a few weeks, she found another guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, she cheated sure. on me. And uh, I, I remember the pain that I felt. Oh, and I, I remember I would listen to that song over and over and over again and just revel in my pain. <laughs> and it was it's one of those things that it's not necessarily that I go back and I remember that and that hurts anymore because, you know, that specifically doesn't hurt anymore. Well, I, I, I can still feel the gut, the, 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 but I, but the, the gut just, just as you're describing it. Yeah, but the 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 emotions the song evokes are real. Mm. They're not necessarily about the emotions that those. I, I don't go back going, oh, I'm 20 years old and I got my heart broken. Those emotions, though, come up and they're not necessarily even tethered to anything. They're just strong emotions and strong pain. And uh, and if funny thing enough is I actually like it, too, because it, it seems to get the other pain that's in me right now and. You know, you and I have talked, Matt, these days we're living in a crazy freaking time, you, you know, our, our supposedly democratically um, elected leader decided he wanted to be an authoritarian and use horses to run over old ladies. I mean, I got to tell you, that ticked me off and that that caused a, a level of pain in me. So I listen to these songs and it would cleanse that pain away from me. And, uh, you know, Vla Vladimir Putin decided to invade Ukraine and start shelling uh, civilian cities. And that wasn't great uh, either. And I feel for the people uh, in in the Ukraine. I also, frankly, feel for the Russians who are being canceled as a nation uh, for something that one madman is doing, which to me is insane, too. And, and, and that pain is good to cleanse as well. But it's good to be able to have a conversation like this with a man like you. It's also good to be able to have these conversations with the men that are part of our movement. Part of the, like I'm on a team with a group of men and I bring my issues to them. So if I've had a fight with my lady, I bring it to the men. If I uh, am worried about something going on in my business, I bring it to the men. And, and those things I think are important. And I, 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 I couldn't imagine not being able to do that at this stage in my life, not having a group of men that I could come and talk about this stuff with, because I don't think I do real well. You know, you know it's, it, it, it's so interesting. And of course, you know, we're at the same time of, of, of life. I, I saw something the other day that, uh, that I'm, I'm, I'm butchering in, in this paraphrasing, but said, you know, in the, in the, you know, from, you know, from your teens to your forties, you're, 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 using your ego to power your career. And then when you hit 50, you're, you're trying to lose the ego to, to get to who you really are. And I think we're sort of at this, you know, that, that, that in, inflection point. I mean, um, you know, you see a lot of people in, um, you know, who've, who've, you know, who are unhappy or, or, or stuck. They are, they're, they're replaying their childhood strategies that they use to survive and thrive yeah. with, and they're carrying it forward in, in, in their adult life. And, and there comes a point where actually that doesn't 
serving work anymore. anymore. So it's the shedding of the layers that have been built up over time. You know, Michelangelo's, you know, I just carved away everything that wasn't David. So That's right. springs to mind. Um, but you've got to feel emotionally safe to be able to do that. Um, and, you know, you've got to be pretty confident that you were the right group of people to be able to have those, you know, real conversations. Because, you know, if you air, if you air your laundry in an environment that people may use it against you, that's obviously that's dangerous. Not the, the smartest thing. It's dangerous to do, of course. And so you've got to, to make sure that you were the bunch of individuals who are not going to hold that. Uh, against you. I think that's actually... I think that's very, very important what you just said. Very important, Matt, because Mm -hmm. um, inside of the work that we do in the group that that I'm in and inside of the movement that I'm in, we have a principle called confidentiality, which is everything you say here uh, and do here, including people's names, is confidential. Now, you can share your lessons that you got out of being here, but you can't mention names. You can't mention specifics (laughs) to anybody. And we also have what we call circles of confidentiality. So if you and I were at the team meeting and, you know, our buddy Steve wasn't at the meeting, then we couldn't share anything with Steve that happened in the meeting. Now, I mean, that's an interesting thing. Uh, You know, the, the, you know, the fact that it has to be sort of prescribed or written into a, a, a way of behaving I mean, I mean that's that's a symptom of a deeper root cause in in, in my because you know hopefully in our upbringing and the you know our formative years those modes of behaviour you would have hoped would kind of be sort of second nature that you wouldn't have to be instructed that you know what goes on tour stays on tour kind of thing right and yet here here we are. I agree with you, but that's not what that's not the reality no, of what we're dealing no, with, especially agree. among uh, especially among men under 40. They, they haven't all been taught that candidly. A lot of them have been raised in broken homes and shuttling back and forth between mom and dad or some of them just with mom. And especially for a boy, he's not learning how to be a man. He's not learning about honor and keeping your word. And, and I'm I'm in no way try to put women down here but men and women have a different understanding of honor have a different understanding of keeping your word and 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 why that is like listen my um in the way the superior man david data talks about it he says it's not like your woman's lying when she says one thing and then she gets mad at you and then decides that whatever she said before is it operative it's just that the way a woman operates is she's operating on this on this sea of emotion on this ocean and when that ocean uh is vibing in a certain direction, then she's good with that direction. But you know, if it's not, she could tell you, Hey, I love you. And I'm ready to go to Texas with you at, at 10 AM. And by 2 PM, you really pissed her off and she ain't going to Texas with you anymore. Did she lie to you at 10 AM? She didn't lie to you at 10 AM, but that's, that's the feminine. That's the energy of the feminine. It, it's, it's, it, it is literally like she's the ocean, but you as the masculine, you're the ship. So when you say you're doing something, you're going to Texas, you're going to Texas. And then that energy, unfortunately, a lot of single mothers, they can't teach a boy how to be a man. They don't know how, they're not men. And this is one of the biggest issues that young boys that have been raised by women face. There's a lot of traditional masculine things that their father would sit them down and teach them, just aren't being taught. It's very hard on kids to go through this situation. It's extremely difficult. It's one of the reasons like, look, I got divorced. I've told you this, this isn't news. 
people who listen to this show it, it, know that it isn't news. But I, I went out of my way to make sure that the boy's mother and I had a good relationship. Um, you know, I had reasons to be angry, but who's that going to help? That's just going to just be there to gratify my ego. And sure, I have an opinion on why things went down the way they did. Her opinion is very different than mine. And who's to say that I'm right and she's wrong and uh, vice versa. We just we got to we got to move forward. I made sure that I had 50 50 custody of the boys and that the boys were around me a certain amount of time. And that's been very good because my boys, you know, they're um, less feminized for lack of a better term than a lot of boys that come from broken homes. And I asked my sons the other day, I was driving them to school, which I don't do every day, but I, I did on this one day. And I asked them, what do you like best about your dad? And my oldest son shocked me when he said, I like that you're hard on me. And I went, what? <laughs> like, he's always arguing with me when I'm hard on him. He said, no, because, you know, you're you're showing me the way and you're toughening me up. I like that you're hard on me. And then I asked my younger son, I said, do you agree with this? He said, yeah. And I said, why did you ever tell me this before? He says, because, you know, I, in the moment, don't want you to be hard on me, but I like that you are. Oh, and sure. um, it, it was... It was a proud moment for me as a dad to see that my sons had been raised right enough to understand the value and importance of this. And to me, this is what we need other men for, because let's say I'm in a group with you, Matt, and I'm coming and telling you as an example, how I'm ticked off that, you know, my lady isn't spending as much time with me as I'd like her to be spending with me. And she's taking care of her, her niece and her mom and all that jazz. Um, and you sat with me and you said, Nikki, grow up, <laughs> you know, and I'd expect you to, I'd expect you to look at me and go, Nikki, grow up. <laughs> I mean, really? You're a grown ass man. You're complaining about your lady being a responsible person. <laughs> like that's what, that's what a man's job is. Instead of, you know, treating me like I'm a snowflake. Hey, Nikki, it's okay. You're so brave or any of that bullshit that so many people are telling men these days. You know what I'm saying, man? Yeah, I do. It's it's interesting. I mean, you know, as you're talking, you know, you know, there's, you know, you know, the circumstances of birth, right? You can't choose the family that you're 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 born into. It's uh, uh, and it and it's interesting. I mean, this 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 whole conversation about sort of the the, the male female dynamic is an intriguing one to me. I um, I actually credit most of my success in in business and in life to my mother. My mother is is a you wouldn't think you know. You told she's, me this before. I remember. Yeah, she's she's quite ill and 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 frail now, but by God, this woman was a force of nature. I mean, you know, when I think I could run through brick walls and stuff like that, that's completely my mum. Completely, you know, my 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 dad is a you know he's a very bright, you know, he's a scientific scientific civil servant in in his career. Of course, he's retired now. Um, dad was very instrumental in teaching me how to, you know, uh, hunt and fish and, and kind of do the outdoor stuff, which I, I enjoy. I mean, that's my happy place when I'm stressed and I've had enough, right? I'm buggering off out into the woods. Um, and I love that. But the, you know, my ability to communicate and perceive what's, you know, what I believe is right, right? We all have different values, of course. Uh, but that, that strength very much came from my mother i i i believe uh, and you know i think she was a certainly instrument you know i would look up to my mum as as the way things got done she's she was very much a doer and, and uh, somebody who could execute and and make things happen out of nothing 
I mean, I mean, just un, un, unbelievable, a strong, uh, strong woman. So I've been very lucky that I've had a very strong female uh, role model um, uh, in in my life. In fact, you know, my wife credits my mum with you know, having a decent husband, uh, for example. Um, and uh, yeah, but my dad had a you know a, a, you know my, again, mum was quite emotional, and but she used emotion for good, right? It got things moving. My dad was more considered, more a safe pair of hands. He was the thoughtful type. So hopefully, I've got a little bit of little bit of both, as you, as you, as, you, as you'd imagine. Um, and so you know, I, I you know I, I feel very privileged and lucky to have had the you know stable upbringing with both parents uh, playing along. And my dad was tough on me. He, 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 he was. I mean, the conversations that I recall from being younger is, you, you know, you don't apply yourself, you're going to end up working in, in McDonald's. And I kind of used that fuel for anger, actually. Right, bugger, I'm going to show you. And at age 24, I made more money in my life than he'd, he'd ever earned. And, you know, I, so I kind of used that, uh, you know, we didn't have a particularly close relationship as growing up. It was very loving, don't get me wrong. But these are the generations where dads were kind of, kind of absent and they stepped in when they they needed to I'm, I'm delighted to say that as you know as as the years have gone my father and i become very close with we you know we're good we're good friends i mean my mum and dad are, are friends um so it I, I think it's very interesting to see how you know how, how different people's circumstances of birth end up having the kind of impact that they that they do I, you know i would love to think that most people could have you know both um you know break and gas uh, to, to use in, in, in their lives. But it sounds like, you know, this is, um, you know, if, if uh, I guess it's 50-50, people are growing up with divorces and, and, and what have you now, that this, that uh, sort of framework has started to, uh, to, to weaken a lot. It has, man. And like you said, um, who, who, who benefits from all this division and who, who, who causes the division? That's a whole another conversation to have on another uh, well look look okay. look i mean cracky you know if, if you know you're gonna get me going so i mean look, i think disney has a lot to bloody answer for i grew up on i grew up overseas born in gambia nepal uh, lived in nepal bangladesh indonesia whatever so i grew up on disney movies and you think about the stereotypes you know <laughs> you know sleeping beauty um, um what's the one with the long hair ah rapunzel Rapunzel, let down your hair, and all this. You have a sort of a prince type figure rescuing a, a female, and um, you know they're all pure and virginal and up on a pedestal and what have you, and you have to be strong and rescuing and, and, and what have you. Well, think of the entitlement that that kind of breeds from both perspectives. I mean, frankly, when I got to sort of dating age of getting interested, I was shocked at women's behaviour because guess what? They wanted to do exactly what I wanted to do, and. That was not how I had been brought up in the movies. And you can think of it from, a, well, I'm here and I need to be rescued and I need to be fed and watered and pampered and taken care of. I mean, what kind of mindset does that set up? So, you know, we're, you know, we're being, I think that's started to change recently. I think most of the, the, uh, the characters in Disney now are female heroes. So, you know, the, the, the you know, I, I, I've got my issues or, with that. I'll be honest with you. Well, I think it's, I think it's setting up a lot of young women with uh, unbelievable um, negative expectations of what life is like. Like I was out there in, in public and um, I was having an argument with somebody and this young woman started to come and, 
get really aggressive with me. And look, I'm, I'm an old school guy. So I, 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 I said, listen, listen, young lady, we're just going to agree to disagree. And I backed off. But if she'd have done that to the wrong guy, he'd have beaten the crap out of her. You know what I mean? Like being mouthing off, being aggressive, she'd have had the crap beaten out of her. And seeing some 110-pound woman on TV manhandling a 220-pound man and thinking that's going to translate into the real world is insane. It's absolutely insane. Yeah, and I, mean, I don't think that is a good thing they're doing for young women at all. At there is, all. There, there is certainly a, a sort of a, a double standards at play when um, either sex, and I'm going to, I'm going to be balance because you know it's it's always six of one half a dozen of the art so there's there's there is no black and white there is always shades of gray in my experience and um but you know to to expect to be able to behave like that with no accountability or repercussions that's daft i mean i i was brought well, up brother that's what's happening where, right now out there you, you never you should see it it's insanity and um I hear what you're saying about like women, young girls wanted to do what you wanted to do when you were a Randy young fella. Sure. But there's a reason why back in the day, they didn't want young women to go do whatever young man wanted to do, which was to sleep with a dozen people because a, there are emotional consequences to women for doing that, that are bigger than they are for a man. Listen, you and I, when we're 20 years old, we could have slept with a dozen women. We'd be happier than pigs and shit. If a young woman did that with, with a bunch of guys in a year, she wouldn't be happier than a pig and shit. She'd be feeling really bad about herself. And and it's not because Disney put a movie about it. It's just that's how they're wired. They're not wired to do that. And and they're wired to give themselves to a man, but a man who's worthy of them. And when they give themselves to a man who's not worthy of them, it makes them feel bad. They feel bad about themselves and and, and all that good stuff uh, that's that's out there. And, and I think that uh, today, like, you know, there's this there's this phrase teenage teenagers use called, oh, we're hanging out. I, when I was a kid, I thought, you know, hanging out was you, you literally hung out. You went out with people. Hanging out today means they have sex. Well, Dad, I'm hanging out. If your daughter or your son tells you they're hanging out, that means they're having a ton of sex. That's what they really means. To me, I think that's kind of crazy. Um, you know, I, I, I got uh, teenage boys. As, as much as, you know, I'm a dad and I remember what it was like to be a teenage boy, uh, I I want them to treat young women respectfully. Mm. I don't want them to, you know, be one of these guys who humps and dumps uh, a young girl and makes her feel bad about that decision that she made to do that. And I also feel that it's horrible for uh, young women to think, you know what, what I think I ought to do is just be like a guy right now and go sleep with as many people as I can. I think that's a horrible idea. Um you know, and, and our society yeah, I mean, today is is saying, no, 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 go do that. And I'm like, are you crazy? These are teenagers. They have no idea what the repercussions of their actions are, you, you know, and I agree with older generations when they chaperone kids and kept some of those um, hormonal driven <laughs> desires at bay and <laughs> had them, you know, do things in a, in a more, um, considered way let's say yeah and again i think that's a function of our our, our age of course i mean i've you know i've had the conversations with my 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 own sons it's very interesting um you know catching my own behavior and how it differs between my sons and my daughters in fact my wife pointed out you know when i've been sort of saying oh so you know you've uh, you sounds like you're having a good time right now and you know you know 
you want to share with dad what you've been up to, you know, tell me a few war stories. And, Lin, you know, Lindsay said, so you're going to have this conversation with your daughter? Oh, shit, you're right. That's double standards, actually. Um, and I have to, you know, I'm, you know, you know, like what you said, you know, I want my boys to have fun, enjoy themselves, but not hurt anybody else in the process. Oh. Right. I think that's, you know, there, there, there's a, there, there's a line and to be very clear what that, you know, they, they have to be clear in their intentions, uh, you know, with, with the girls that they meet as well, that, you know, I'm just, I think they're I'm real clear in their intentions. Man. Yeah. Yeah. They are. But, but they're also saying, you know, you know, I'm, you know, we're having a good time here. As long as you're fine, having a good time, then, then, then we're, they then are we're good. all having that conversation. That's what happening girls and boys. And I just, maybe I'm an old fashioned fuddy duddy, but I also think there's something to be said for, you know, fathers and mothers. Um, Watching their young daughters and protecting their yeah, virtue. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, it's um, 100%. And listen, I mean, I've got two sons. I don't have any daughters. And yeah, I've got a happy blend of, uh, blend of both, of course. And, you know, of course, I want my, um, you know, the, 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 the challenge I found as a younger man is, you know, I put an enormous amount of pressure on myself, you know, which I put down to Disney movies about finding the one. You know, and um, you know, every time I go to a pub, I wonder if I'm going to meet her tonight. And just stupid levels of expectation and, you know, being overly nice and stuff like that. When in actual fact, I could have probably had, a, 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 you know, a lot more fun if I'd just been a bit more relaxed and not taken <laughs> it so bloody seriously. Uh, and I did have quite a lot of fun, I'm going to say, but, um, you know, but, you know, when my daughter, she means she's, you know, not, not dating age yet, but when she comes to, to dating age, I will have a conversation with her. And I think it's going to be pretty close. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to prohibit her from, you know, in getting, you know, in, engaging in, in sexual relationships with, with, with boys. And I'm just saying, and you don't need to go blow your head off being crazy either. You know, there's 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 balance uh, in there. I Listen, think. man, if you uh, in 2022 and beyond, if you tell a girl she can't do that, it's gonna it's that that's gonna have about as much effect as a fart in the wind. To tell you the truth, right? Oh, I'm, I know. I mean, I she's not gonna I mean, listen to you. She might tell you what you want to hear, but she's not gonna I'm, listen to you. No, but, I'm, I'm I'm not gonna try and tell her not to do things because she's a human being at the end. Of the but day. you gotta and you gotta let her know what the consequences are of certain behaviors. And those, sure. she's a smart girl. If you brought her up right, she's gonna end up making good decisions. Right. And it's um, and like it or not, you know, I don't know. I don't know that I agree that it's a double standard, but it's the reality of yeah. of men and, and women respond to this very differently. Men and women respond to a desire. Listen, as a man, you're a, you're a primal animal and you just want to have as much sex as you can. That's that's a fact. And I don't know that that's going to change regardless of what people say. I'm going to push back there. You know, I think, you know, remember, we are conscious creatures as well. We're not just driven by animalistic urges. We are. You know, of course. I mean, depending, again, depending on your background here, I mean, you know, as, as a young man, of course, I wanted to have lots of sex and I was frustrated when I didn't get enough of it, frankly. Um, but I also, I also was cognizant of the behavior of some of my pals who didn't have the kind of moral compass that I did of, you know, doing no harm and, and just taking advantage of somebody. And, you know, they, they frankly had a lot more sex than me. Um, and maybe they were happy for it. 
but I wouldn't have been happy with myself if I'd treated somebody else, you know, in a, you know, a disrespectful, disrespectful yeah, way. Ditto for me. First of all, when I was younger, I didn't have a whole lot of sex because I was awkward and not as facile with language as, as I became later on in, in life. I, I would see a beautiful girl and I'd get tongue tied and scared often and wouldn't even be able to approach her. So that's a, that, that's a reality of what it was like for me in my teens and twenties. over here. Hey, so me too. Yeah. Well, there you go. So that's number one. The, the number two thing is for a young woman, it's very different when they're in their teens and their early twenties, all the guys are coming at them, especially if they're attractive, right? The guys are just wanting to, to go and date them and be with them and try to get them into bed. And they had all the choice. We had none of the choice. Their value was here. Our value was over there. Certainly my value was over here while the beautiful woman's value was over there. But over time that changed. There's a, there's a man by the name of Richard Cooper and he, he, he wrote a book called The Unplugged Alpha. And he says that in life, women are sex objects and men are success objects. And uh, I thought to myself, yeah, he's, 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 he's really right about that. As I became older and more successful, um, I got a lot more female attention than I did when I was younger and more physically attractive, as it were, right? When I had like six packs, although I had six packs well into my 40s and things like that, um, it, it, was, it, it didn't seem to matter to women. What mattered to women was that I was poised and calm and successful. And, and the, the, tr the truth of the matter is, like, I had a very similar moral compass to you. I didn't want to hurt a girl. I wanted to make sure that anybody that I was with understood uh, where I was coming from. If I was only interested in, you know, a little romance and good times, I was very upfront about that. I never tried to pretend that I was interested in something. I was, I wasn't Charlie Harper from two and a half minutes. If you ever saw that, uh, that show, <laughs> anyways, he was a guy who had a Char Charlie Sheen played him. So, you, Oh, okay. Two and a half men. Yeah, yeah. 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 So he was a guy who went out and, you know, dated a lot of women had sex with a lot of women and presented himself in such a way. And then when he was done, he was done. And it was, it was on the one hand, you go, oh, wow, man, I wish I was that good at talking to women and interacting with them. But on the other hand, you go, oh, yeah, I, I don't want to be that much of a scumbag that I'd say one thing and do another, you know, and that's, that, that's bad. You don't want, you don't want kids doing that. I certainly don't want my sons doing that, but it doesn't sound like that's an issue these days uh, as far as they're concerned, because groups of guys and groups of girls hang out together, like a half a dozen guys and a half a dozen girls. And they literally hang out and, you know, I, I, my, my son's hanging out at the wrong parties. <laughs> <laughs> I think he might need, might, he want, might want a tip or two. Jesus, you know, I don't the, know. The other thing, I don't, the other I, listen, my son keeps a lot of stuff from his mom and his dad, especially his mom. But uh, I, I'll tell you this right now. When I sit down with him, I have conversations with him about how I want him to comport himself, how I want to treat young ladies, how I want him to be that he's, he's always very careful not to hurt anybody. And, and that, uh, you know, you still have a good time and, and all that stuff. And so far from what I can see, he's doing, he's doing things in a good way. But um, if he were a girl, his age, I'd be petrified. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I'd be petrified right now. Well, I mean, it, it, again, again, circumstances of birth and upbringing, right? I mean, you know, I'm, um, again, my, my daughter uh, is younger, but, you know, according to research, if they have, you know, a, a, a loving uh, two-parent family, particularly with a father who is present um, and is not absent, and, you know, that can be absent remotely or absent 
you know, when they're together, I mean, I take my daughter to activities, to the gymnastic and the horse riding. I ask her how her day's been, you know, and spend time. My daughter has actually said, wow, dad, you are a really good listener. Huh? That's good. That's not bad coming from when she's 13 now. She said that when she was 11, right? So, you know, and the research shows, of course, that the more involved the, the male figure is, it delays the, the sexual activity of, of, of the daughter, yeah, right? Yeah. So uh, Girls with daddy rate, she should be getting married off younger. about 25 or 30. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, good luck with that. That probably won't happen. But No, I think, I think I'm heading for a fall there. Girls who have uh, who have good fathers in their lives don't have daddy issues, and daddy issues are the greatest predictor of how early they have sex. And so, good on you, and uh, you know um, you're a good man. Your wife's a good woman. I think you'll you guys will be fine. And your daughter will be fine. It sounds yeah. I've met I've met your son at least remotely. Uh, will he's a great kid. So uh, the man I want to be. The man yeah. I want to be. There you go. There you go. So let's come back to this whole question of how important it is for men to have men that they can talk to, because um, younger men in particular are the ones who are missing out on this. So guys our age who are in you know their 40s and 50s, is a, a bunch of them uh, understand the value of this and they have it. Or um, if they don't, they know to seek it. But a lot of younger men don't even know to seek it. And once they're out of those uh, school years, whether it's high school or university, that's when their uh, intimate uh, friendships with other men fall by the wayside. I see that as being one of the biggest challenges we as a society face, how to turn that around and have these young men be a part of groups of young men that they can have these kinds of powerful, serious, real conversations with where they can let the mask down and they don't have to keep it screwed on so straight. Oh, no, 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 I'm perfect, I'm great. Everything's fa fabulous. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I, I think, um, you know, I, personally, I, you know, I attribute a lot to the fact that, um, you know, I played quite a lot of sport growing up um, and was, you know, whether it was, you know, rug actually, I was a dreadful football player. What am I trying to kid? It was rugby, basically. That's, rugby was that's, why, sport, that's why I'm so darn handsome, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I played a lot of rugby. I played squash. I had a go at, at tennis. But, it, you know, it was in, in those activities, those combined activities where you're pulling together as a unit. I think for me, that's where very strong uh, friendships uh, were forged. But also it... it help to i guess train for want of a better word train you how to forge good relationships outside of the sporting environment as well so you know i you know if if anybody listening to this is a, a younger man and you're struggling to find friendships you know i would say go out and do activities with other people you know who who have you know whether it's pick up you know tennis or squash or soccer or rugby or american yes. football or whatever it is Get in involved with a with a with a bunch of like minded. You know, you'll get drawn to whichever sport is is or activity is right for you. Get you'll 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 draw naturally to other like minded people. And of course, if you haven't got that kind of environment, then you know, uh, uh, you know, a, a men's group or something like that could be something that's uh, that's very helpful to to meet that need. I mean, what I liked about sports is you could be in, intensely physical for you know a short period of time and then you'd unwind going to the pub and having a beer with somebody so you know 
even during the you know I'll, during my work week, I'll just text him. And I've got you know WhatsApp groups, and uh, uh, you know on, on Wednesday at four o'clock, I think I've had enough for today. And so beer o'clock to my WhatsApp group, and I'll, beer o'clock, <laughs> beer o'clock, and I get three or four blokes going. Oh yeah, that sounds good actually. Yeah, thanks for bringing it up, Matt. Or I can't make it today, but you know usually there's two or three blokes who can uh, who can meet up and just have a couple of pints of Guinness and, and, and unwind. And, and frankly, we're just talking nonsense most of the time anyway, but it's, it's a form of talk therapy, isn't it? It's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's a way of connecting and, you know, and if, if, if you've got something that's bothering you, people will sense it and they'll, they'll ask what's going on. And I think yeah. that's a, a way to do it. You know, it, it works and uh, it's important that it uh, uh, be an an environment where you can also just talk to, to men and talk about things other than cheese sandwich topics. Yeah, like, uh, cheese sandwich topics are, they're not all that satisfying over time. It'd no, be good to have a group of men. You can see once a week, once every couple of weeks, and you can have real conversations with them. Absolutely. And by the way, I'm not condoning use of alcohol as, a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a lubricant, as a, as a, as a fix it measure here. Um, in fact, I've been many years without alcohol. It's only recently that I started drinking again, but uh, um, uh, for the social a- aspect of it. Um, so you don't need alcohol at all. I mean, there's people who, who come out to the pub and, you know, they'll, they'll have a, a lime and soda or what have you. So uh, again, it's, but it, it's, it's the act of doing something together you know, collect- collectively. Yeah, hundred percent. Outside I, of work, you know, it's yeah. yeah, yeah. Outside of war, amen to that. We don't need uh, we don't need the war, the big war in the world, uh, spreading and becoming a global conflict right now. That's for darn sure. We don't need that one bit. But um, uh, I, I tell you what, I I agree with you. Um, I go and work out with a really good friend of mine uh, once a week. Wednesday morning, six thirty a.m. We work out together. There's a client of mine and I that work out together a couple times a week as well. Those are good times yes. to break a sweat and have a good discussion. And we always do that. I bring up some issues that are bugging me. He brings up some issues that are bugging him. We talk it out. It's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's important. It's needed. It, it, it's powerful. Matt, I got to tell you, I've enjoyed the conversation. Uh, I, I know we don't see eye to eye on every issue, but that's, part of what makes these discussions valuable and important is iron sharpens iron. I learned from um, your point of view when it's different from mine and you learn from my point of view when it's different from yours. And our listener learns from both of us elucidating and enunciating what we believe to be true. And that makes them think, and they can think for themselves rather than just parroting whatever I happen to say or parroting whatever you happen to say or whatever other guest happens to say. And I think that's important. Yeah, you, you've made such an, an important point there, Nikki. I mean, we, we open these conversations around there's so much polarizing views in, in the world today, and people are sort of turning on each other. You don't need to do that. Yeah, just because somebody disagrees with the way you look at the world or see the world or experience the world doesn't make them fundamentally wrong. Every single human being on this planet is looking through a different lens. Every single one of us looks at life differently. So this right versus wrong uh, polarization exercise that this world seems to be in at the moment, it, it, it's just nonsense, uh, frank, uh, frankly. And yes, you can disagree with another human being and, and not become enemies over it. Just go, okay, I don't quite see it the same way that you do. And 
you're quite entitled to your perspective and point of view. Yeah. And we don't have to fall out about it. You know, stop being so bloody precious and having a hissy fit over everything. Yeah. Right. If, you know, to expect everybody to see things the way that you do is a recipe for failure. It's actually a failure strategy. And it's a, a very oh. sure way just to live your life in a state of piss offedness. You know, what you just said, um, we're going to record that and we're going to give it to you and you can send it to our prime minister here in the great nation of Canada because he could certainly <laughs> use uh, a dose of that message for himself. Yeah. You know, it's insane to me that um, someone in a position of leadership who's leading a nation doesn't understand that he needs to engage with people that he disagrees with that that's actually fundamentally the most important aspect of his job. You would have imagined that a communications course 101 might have thought before you start attacking the, your own people with force of arms in the name of keeping them safe. Keeping them safe, uh, yeah. Hey, you're a seven year old woman with a walker. I'm gonna send a horse to run over you because I don't like what you said. Whoa. You, might, you, you might want to have a chat with him first before you call in the big guts. It just seems yeah, like a, a, a fairly rookie mistake. but uh, yeah. It was, and I say this at, at every episode, there are two um, leaders of the, those protests that are in prison and have been denied bail. One of them is a mother of three children. Her name's Tamara Lick, and she's been denied bail. This is a woman with no previous record of violence, uh, and frankly, did not have, did not commit violence right now. And also Pat King, who is a man with a missing leg. So he is, um, he has put uh, regular citizens, a man with a missing leg and a mother of three children who's in her uh, 40s in prison and has denied them bail. They are right now political prisoners in Canada, which shocks me to say this because I never thought I'd ever say this, but I will say this again, free Pat King, free Tamara Lick. And Mr. Prime Minister, if you don't like their ideas, engage with their ideas and persuade the populace that they're wrong and you're right. That is a leader's job. If you cannot do that, you don't belong in leadership. Resign. Uh, allow someone else from your party who understands that to take over temporarily. And then let's fight an election uh, over this, because I believe that that is the fundamental issue of our time in a free society. People who support engagement with their uh philosophical and political opponents are the only people who should have the right to, to run. And honestly, I will say this, if I am ever elected, there will be a law passed by parliament that any leader that refuses to engage with their political opposition um, immediately forfeits their right to leadership and, and has to face a non-confidence vote that their own party has no part of. So their own party can't back them up if they refuse to engage with, uh, with their opponents. And I also think that you should not be allowed to call um, people who disagree with you nasty and pejorative names like racist and misogynist. Uh, I just find it interesting that the prime minister, who's made such a big show of uh, being on the side of our indigenous uh, population here in Canada uh, and on the side of women, has arrested a convoy leader who is part indigenous uh, and has arrested a convoy leader who's a woman. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just, you, you, you can't make this shit up, man. We, we, we should have a, we should have another, an, another one of these where we talk about how politics attracts sociopaths and narcissists. Uh, you know and, uh, and you're on. Uh, I'm taking you up on that. We'll do I that. Mean, it, it's, I mean, it's, it's just, 
Well, it's an archaic system. Fe- uh, the tribal kings, feudal kings, nation-state kings gave way to the governments. This is a bell curve exercise here. The, the, anyway, there's got to be a more yeah, distributed I, I, yeah. way of, of, of making decision-making that works at the local level versus... I, I'll tell you this. The, the democratic yeah, system happens. originally was based on the Greek democratic system where everybody was given a vote. And very soon they found that... Don't, I, people, don't believe we, I don't believe women were given the vote. And you have to be a certain age. Fair enough. Certain in, in, in ancient Greece, women were not given the vote, but everybody else was. All the men, there was no um, qualifications required to be given the vote. And then you had the Roman Republican system, which had a series of qualifications. That was a corrupt system and you could buy your way into votes and other things. But <laughs> I got to tell you, there's a lot to be said for a um, not a literacy test, because I think that, that that has like racist connotations of, of, of kind of the Jim Crow South, but certainly an engagement test. There should be an engagement test that if you are to have the vote, you need to demonstrate an engagement with the body politic an understanding of the issues. Otherwise, you shouldn't have the vote because you're going to make decisions that are going to affect everybody else. Be careful. You're starting to sound like an autocrat dictating I, I, their views I and beliefs. Th- I don't think the, the vote should be automatic just because you're born. I And I feel that very strongly. I don't think the vote should be automatic just because you're born. Quite quite a strong position right there. I know. But hey, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm open to being wrong. All I'm saying is how it's been working out lately isn't been so good. <laughs> you know, no, that's, that's we, sure. we three times have elected the, the son of a former prime minister with no real qualifications for the job. Let's be honest. No, no real. Fantastic. Qual- Come on. He's got fantastic hair. <laughs> <laughs> I will grant you. He's got a great hair hairdo and he's got really great hair, but come on, man, this guy got elected by people who voted him in because he has great hair. That's a problem. That's a problem. <laughs> you know, that's all I'm going to say. The people who I think ought to be running don't even run because they're afraid they're going to get hammered uh out there in the world but anyways like you said that'll be another episode we'll, we'll spend a full hour on it i think that'll be a fun one matt really enjoyed this thanks for your time god bless you brother likewise nikki you take care mate and uh cheer up everybody out there amen amen take it's still a glorious world as they say it's still a beautiful Absolutely. world thank you for listening to the sovereign man podcast If you're ready to take charge of your life and become the man you've always wanted to be, we invite you to join the movement at SovereignMan.ca.